You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. There is an expiration date on our lives. Are you using your time wisely? Are you living for Jesus in a vibrant and passionate way? Are you responding to the call that God has placed upon your heart? Most of all, have you truly and honestly accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you confessed your sins to Him? Have you asked for His forgiveness? And are you giving your life completely over to Him? No strings attached. As you'll learn from Pastor Dave in today's message, tomorrow is not promised. So how are you using your time? What are you spending your days doing? Are you living the life God calls you to? Have you surrendered yourself to Him? If not, spend time at the feet of Jesus today and begin living fully in Him, for He is good. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John, chapter 7, as he begins his message, Tomorrow May Be Too Late. Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go into the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? So it was Benjamin Franklin who coined this phrase, Do not put off until tomorrow what you can do today. You know that thing, right? When you put off until tomorrow what you should be doing today, it's called procrastination. Procrastination is simply when you delay or postpone actions and you put off doing them for a while. When you do these things, you become a procrastinator. There's a running joke between my wife and I. I have a tendency to be one of those people who puts things off. Well, one year, probably some time ago, she bought me a book. I don't know if it was a gag or if it was meaningful, but she bought me a book and said, How to Help the Procrastinator. I'm going to get around to reading it one of these days. But I haven't as yet, so I'm sure there's a lot of good information in there, but I just haven't picked up the book. I did try to find it, but I couldn't find it. It must be buried under a pile of things. I don't know. So I guess the question for the day is, are you a procrastinator? Hmm, yeah. Do you put off doing certain things? You know, those things that you really know you have to do, but you really don't want to do them, so you put them off. You know, for me, it's going shopping. Maybe you put off making a tough decision. Maybe there's decisions that you have to make that you know you have to make them, but you put them off because they're difficult to make and you really don't want to face the decisions that you have to make. 
Have you ever put off something for so long that you lost an opportunity? Have you read in the paper, oh, look, this is on sale. I need to get there and buy that. You get there and the sale's over. (laughs) Because you procrastinated, you made it. Now, that's a simple thing, but it happens. Or maybe when you decided to act, it was too late to make a difference, and you waited too long. Happens to all of us. Let's get serious. What about your relationship with the Lord? Have you put off doing the right things? Have you put off doing the things that God has challenged you to do? Things that God may have even called you to do. Have you put those off? You may have many, many reasons. I'm going to call them excuses. But you may have many, many reasons as to why you put those things off. All probably legitimate reasons. But have you put them on the back burner? Have you even put off the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ? Thinking that there will always be time. That there will always be time and I'm not just quite ready. So often we find that putting off these things that we make excuses for not responding to God's offers. And sadly, when these opportunities come to live for Jesus in a most vibrant and passionate way, we let them pass by. And sadly, our hearts can grow calloused. Our hearts can be hardened. And one day, one day, mark my words, these opportunities will be no more. There will be no more opportunities for many, many reasons. Number one, our hearts may grow cold and hard. Number two, our bodies may grow weak. Our circumstances may deteriorate. We may even lose our influence among those who we wanted to talk to or... We might not even be here. Opportunities could be gone. In our study, the feast, Jesus made it quite clear to his listeners, I will be here for a little time longer. Sadly, many missed the joy of Jesus' life because they found reasons to put off responding to his invitation. They didn't respond favorably to him, or they flat out rejected him. They procrastinated. They wanted more time, or they were waiting for more time, more information. But sadly, time was running out. Time for them was running out. How many times have you been watching a TV show only to have a commercial come on, and some guy standing there going, this is a limited time offer, folks. you got to buy this right now, and if you buy this right now, we'll give you 300 more. I exaggerate. But you get the point. Jesus presented the Pharisees with a limited time offer. He gave them a limited time offer. There was a shelf life on this offer that Jesus was giving the Pharisees. Jesus presented them with the truth. He was the truth. He was the one from the Father. He was the one who could give them eternal life. And all they had to do was simply by faith accept. All they had to do. He told them he would only be with them for a little while longer. He told them that there wasn't much time because he was returning to the Father. Time was short, but they wasted their time. How did they waste their time? They argued about who he was. They couldn't believe he was the Messiah because they knew where he came from. 
They knew that he didn't look like the Messiah should look like. They knew that he was just not in the form of the Messiah. There's no way the Messiah could come from Nazareth. So they said, they let religion, pride, arrogance, prejudicial attitudes, false speculations, false perceptions to get in their way. They wasted what little time they had left. They wasted it. Jesus is walking among them, teaching them, being with them, and they wasted the time. How many of us, I've heard it before, I probably even said it, man, I would have loved to walk along that Jesus. Man, I would have loved to have been there. I'd have believed in him in a heartbeat. I'd have gone after him. You know what I would have done? I'd have been one in the crowds yelling, crucify him. They wasted their time. They wasted their time. Every one of us living today has been given a precious amount of time. We've all been given a precious amount in time. Our lives have an expiration date. Our lives have an expiration date. Either we'll all go through the valley of the shadow of death, or Jesus will come and take his church out of here which is what our hope is. But there is an expiration date on our lives. Are you using your time wisely? Are you living for Jesus in a vibrant and passionate way? Are you responding to the call that God has placed upon your hearts? Most of all, have you truly and honestly accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross? for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you confessed your sins to him? Have you asked for his forgiveness? And are you giving your life completely over to him? No strings attached. Jesus, I give you all of my life, except that. When that, when that. Have you given him everything? Or are you like the Pharisees and the crowds gathered at the feast who are arguing about who Jesus is, where he came from, and what he said? Are you missing an opportunity to go deeper into your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you standing on the peripheral edges and don't want to go any further for fear of whatever? I don't know what your fear might be, but you don't want to get deeper into love with Jesus Christ. Do you have a faith issue? Or maybe you have a pride issue. As we concluded last week, we read verse 31, and many of the people believed in him, which is Jesus, and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? So many people are going to start putting their face in Jesus Christ. And this causes a reaction from the rank and file in the Pharisees. The religious leaders, they see the people starting to believe in Jesus Christ, and this becomes an obstacle for them. They let their pride take over. They could not see beyond their own self-interest. The problem existed is when the people began to believe upon Jesus, they began to reject the teachings of the Pharisees. They started comparing what the Pharisees were saying and what Jesus was saying, and the Holy Spirit began to work in their lives, talk in their hearts, and they started to know the truth, and they became set free by the truth because the Holy Spirit was leading them into all truth, which is Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was setting them free, and they questioned their leaders. Something's wrong here. The falling numbers threatened the validity of the religious leaders and brought into question the accuracy of their teaching. 
they felt their authority was being challenged. And the bottom line was, they didn't like it. They didn't like anyone to challenge their authority. Remember now, until Jesus came upon the scene, the Pharisees or the religious leaders' word was law. Their word was law. They decided how the law would be interpreted and how you applied the law to your life. Not how they applied the law to their life, but how you applied the law to your life. They decided how the law was being done in everybody else's life except their own. They were a do-as-I-say group. Do-as-I-say. But their lives were shambles. Their lives were not giving the people the view of what they should do. Their lives and actions were otherwise, and Jesus called them out. I love it. Jesus called them right out. He exposed their hypocrisy to the masses, to the people. He challenged them at every angle, and he continued to provoke them with his challenges. But know this. Jesus also gave them the same opportunity as everyone else. Regardless of their religious standing, regardless of who they thought they were, everybody got the same exact opportunity to believe in him and to come in relationship with the Father through him. Everybody had him. He not only told them the truth, but he showed them the truth. They had every opportunity to believe it, but they chose not to. It was their choice. They chose not to. They put off believing in Jesus Christ. Because they were blinded by their pride, blinded by their arrogance, blinded by their prejudices, blinded by what they saw, what they speculated, what they perceived. They were blinded. And the Pharisees heard that more people were flocking to Jesus than to them. Red flag went up. They saw their numbers decline. The coffers at the temple would start to decline. They were getting worried. They thought something drastic had to happen. We got to do something. We have to do something about this guy. So they sent out someone to arrest them. Go get them. How dare he challenge our belief system? How dare he challenge us? Who does he think he is? After all, we're the religious leaders. Look at verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. What a futile attempt. What a downright futile attempt. Jesus has already said that his time hadn't come. There's no way anybody was going to arrest Jesus. There's no way anybody was even going to seize him or take hold of him until the hour came, until the time was perfect. Everything had to happen according to God's timetable. Yes, God has a timetable. And if you haven't found out, it's a little different than ours. God's timetable is a tad different than our timetable. Number one, God's timing is perfect, but we cannot force our schedule upon him, for he is sovereign. Now, we know that the God is not in a hurry, and he does all things in a specific time to his pleasure. He knows exactly when all things will happen. Way back in chapter 15 of the book of Genesis, we see God's timing for the Abrahamic covenant. When God called Abraham and gave him the covenant with him, he told him that this nation that was being developed would suffer and be slaves for 400 years. And the exact words he uses in 1516, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. That was God's timetable. When the iniquity of the Amorites was complete, 
would take 400 years, God would pull them out. How long was Israel in Egypt? 400 years. In Genesis 21, in verse 2, it says, For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken to him. God had a time. It was fulfilled. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8, in a little while. For everything there is a time. For every season there is a time. God has a perfect time. And finally, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in chapter 1, verse 10. He says this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he, God, might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him, in Christ. God has a specific time for when this gathering will take place. This gathering that we know, we call it the rapture of the church. There is a specific time. How many times did they ask Jesus, when will the last days be? No man knows the hour or the time except who? My Father in heaven, right. There is a timetable. God has a timetable. I think I've driven the point home. Jesus basically says to the Pharisees, hey guys, time's short. Look at verses 33 and 32. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Hey guys, I'm going to be out of here a little while longer. I'm getting out of here. And after I'm gone, you're going to have a hard time finding me. My time is limited. Let's not waste it. This is a limited time offer, folks. This time that I'm giving you has an expiration date. You need to get busy and make some decisions here, or this time isn't going to come around again. And, and guess what? After I'm gone, you're not going to be able to find me. You may look, and you may seek, but they didn't understand. They didn't understand because they were thinking earthly. They were thinking earthly. Jesus is speaking about heavenly. Look at 35 and 36. Then the Jews said among themselves, what does he intend to go? Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing he said? You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot go or come. They were confused. Their replies was, where does he think he's going? You know, you can almost hear the mocking tone in their voice. Where do you think you're going? Where do you think you might be going to? What is wrong with you guys? What is this thing he said? And I love the way Jesus talks to these guys. I really do. You ever notice how candidly he speaks to them? How boldly he speaks to them? He never pulls any punches, does he? He speaks words of truth. And interestingly here is the implication in the original language is... Not only won't you find me where I'm going, but you can't come. You won't be able to come because you didn't make the decision to believe in me. You can't come. Sorry, folks. You don't have a ticket. You can't enjoy this ride. But on the same hand, right before Jesus' crucifixion in John 14... In the first six verses, he tells the disciples, you know where I'm going. And if I go, I'm coming back for you. I'm taking you with me. See the difference? It's a huge difference here. 
One is in total unbelief, total rejection, total procrastination. The others are in faith. They're in belief. And Jesus is telling them, you know where I'm going. You know exactly where I'm going. And if I go, I'm going to come back for you. And then Thomas is going, we don't know where you're going. What do you mean we know where you're going? Jesus had to have a smile on his face when he looked at Thomas. Come on. He had to have a smile on his face when he looked at Thomas. I wonder what he was really thinking. He had to have a great smile on his face when he said, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. No man. Wow. Poor Thomas sat back and went, humana, 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 humana. <laughs> Staring at Jesus. Jesus could speak like this because he feared no man. He had no fear of man. He did not live in the fear of man. Unlike the Pharisees, Jesus wasn't trying to build a reputation. He wasn't trying to build a ministry. His sights were on heaven. His sights were on heaven. And guess what, guys? That's where our sight should be, too. Our sight should be on heaven, the heavenly place. And when Paul is writing the beautiful book of Philippians, in chapter 3, one of the most glorious chapters, the entire book of Philippians is glorious. If you want to spend some time in it, Mark's going through it at Conifer Village on uh, every other Wednesday. In chapter 3, in verse 20, beginning in verse 20, he says, Paul writes to them and says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait the Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved, my long for brethren, my joy, my crown, stand fast in the Lord. Wow. Our home is in heaven. Do you realize that? And do you realize that positionally that's where we are right now? Dave, you're out of your mind. I'm right here in this church. No. Read the word of God. Positionally, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's our position. And this is a reality. Having been born again into a living hope, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we are now children of the Most High God, and therefore, we are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Heaven is our home. Earth is no longer our home. We're just visiting. We're just passing through. And just like Jesus, when he said he was leaving soon, we also will be leaving soon. We will also be leaving soon, and our lives should reflect this. Our lives should reflect the urgency of where we're going and what's going to happen. The urgency is that soon we won't be here. We can tell our family members that don't know Christ. We can tell our friends who don't know Christ. We can tell people, little while, you won't see me any longer. I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to be gone. And where I'm going, I don't think you know. And because you don't know, you can't come. Oh, you want to come? Let me show you the way. His name is Jesus Christ. That's what we do. Therein is our hope. That is our hope. Our lives should reflect this. Everything we do should have a heavenly scent about it. Everything we do should have the aroma of heaven about it, the aroma of Christ. We should not be storing up treasures on earth. We should be storing up treasures in heaven. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.